three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Oh, that one was so much worse, and it spat up all over. Your me. timing was so bad on that well, one. Well, I tried. It just decided it wanted. Yeah, the paper towels right behind me. Yeah. Oh. I got some Why do we have so many? I have no idea. Rolls of paper towels just to open around this place. We've gotten messy during quarantine because there's no Lysol wipes, so we just have so many paper towels. There's to no Lysol wipes. There's nowhere to go. The mess all is just here. It's true. You know? Yeah. It's not like we can just dump our garbage in the parking lots anymore. I don't, we don't do that. <laughs> I mean, we kind of do because the dumpster's in the parking lot. So true, uh, true. In a sense, we do. I don't... Oh my. What's this uh, episode? Welcome. I didn't even say the name of the podcast before we got off the rails. This is uh, Gateway, another episode of Gateways <laughs> to Cinema. The spinoff of the podcast reboot already underway. Uh, the Saved by the Bell reboot to the main podcast Saved by the Bell. Mm. So I put a trailer out for this today. I didn't watch it because I don't care. But Yeah, me either. It's happening. Cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> about all I can it's say. It's on Peacock. Oh, great. <laughs> Another thing I don't care about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's all we have to say about that, because uh, we're going to talk about something else. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. another movie from the list of 100 movies I made for Jago to watch. That's uh, me. Yeah, that's Jago. I don't think we introduced No, <laughs> this, this intro's a mess. I'm Aaron Hahn. This is Jacob Lacey. Uh, Aaron, our, yeah. our listeners are getting a double dosing. Well, du- <laughs> they're getting a double <laughs> dose. Well, of again, cop procedurals. They, they, they certainly are double dosing. Uh, again, the the full name of the podcast: Gateway Drugs to Cinema. Jacob would not let me use it in our marketing. So, <laughs> well, it's like you know, you gotta you gotta be appropriate for the posters. But then, when the movie comes out, you can say things like that. Mm. So, for the podcast, if you will. So seven is <laughs> what we're talking about today. Gateway to cinema in the streets and gateway drugs to cinema in the, <laughs> in the streets. streets. Oh, 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 oh. Also in the streets. Also in the streets. <laughs> in a different part of the streets, in the alleyway mm-hmm. off the street. It's not a street air. <laughs> it's the same thing. It counts. It's seven. <laughs> Yeah, we are once again looking at a film. Says seven. From my list, it is Sesevenen. 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 All right, Jacob. How we typically start this is you let me know. Uh, Thanks what for you reminding me. In. I uh, I forget how this show works. What did you know going into this? Um, and some of your first impressions on it. I feel like this is very similar to how you watched Orphan. Because you knew the twist of the movie going in. Yeah. And I, too, knew the twist of Seven It's going a in. very famous ending, yeah. yeah. Um, now, that being said, I didn't know everything about the ending of the movie. I just knew the, the you know, the... Non-spoilers, yeah. Yeah, but... the, the big parts of it. Right. And then just how it wraps up and past that, you know, it's, I didn't know. So. Yeah, I mean, a lot of iconic moments, a lot of iconic lines, and uh, definitely a scene that has had multiple parodies of it since, so right. yeah, it's definitely one of those films that's hard to get into now without knowing something about. Yeah. Did you know much about, like, the the like first two-thirds of the movie, though? No, not much, no. No, it it's probably a movie that I've 
seen bits and pieces from just from the it being such a popular film you know it's david fincher movie everyone Mm -hmm. talks about everyone's in love everyone's just in it's disgusting everyone's in love with david fincher are you jealous are you uh envious no i would say i'm not actually i really like david fincher's movies and uh and i will say i did like this yeah and i'll say yeah this is another david fincher movie i actually quite enjoyed well enjoyed's an interesting word but i i thought it was good really good Um, Now, it's going to be impossible to not compare this to Silence of the Lambs, considering we just watched this, and this was also like four years after Silence of the Lambs, and obviously this this must have been uh, quite the, uh, right, four four years? Four, this is 95, yeah. and Sansa Lens was 91. You looked Four. at me like I was wrong. So No, I, I didn't look at you like I was wrong. I was like looking at you like, wow, time's weird. Yeah, time is <laughs> weird. Because like, thinking about the films as films, they feel like in two different eras of filmmaking. They like, do. This Silence... feels very much more like an early 2000s kind of film. It does, and well, I think that's just more to David Fincher's style, sort of um, influencing movies of that era, and also... Sounds of the Lambs being a very 80s movie in the 90s, so I think that might be why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they're very similar, even down to being both scored by James Horner, which was really interesting oh, sure. to me. Sure. What, what, what you did said I say? James Horner. I meant, I meant, yeah. You sure. meant Howard Shore. Howard Shore, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I get them mixed up. <laughs> but you know what I mean. They're, they're both, yeah. uh, they both scored it. Yeah, yep. Um, and, you know, the serial killer nature of it. Yeah, police procedural trying mm-hmm. to... Hunt down serial killer. Yeah, I definitely think um, it was kind of a disservice watching these uh, pretty much back to back. Um, yeah. Because in my opinion, this one's definitely going to look inferior to Silence of the Lambs. I don't know how you feel about the comparison. Inferior, but close. Okay. They're very different movies, even though they are so similar. I think they have such a different style and a different. Um, I we'll get to it in spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I think. As far as this movie goes, and I think it's something that is not always, at least from my experience, and I haven't seen many movies of this type, so maybe I'm wrong, but a reason I don't like a lot of cop procedurals is it's very rah-rah, police are the best. <laughs> and this movie is not like that. I think Silence of the Lambs is a little bit, but this movie is is definitely critical of a lot of elements of uh, cop work and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of... in some ways, but I also think there is an element of just kind of like this uh, this us versus the world kind of debate mm-hmm. going on in it um, that kind of feeds into that that typical cop genre kind of and mm-hmm. it's something that permeates in the real world. Whereas is, is it like are you a separate kind of is it like a protectorate class in society? You know, like you got to fend back the the worst of uh, the worst, or are you like supposed to be like of the people and like with the people you know like actually uh serving and protecting and uh getting to know the community you're serving and i think that's really a a struggle that people mm-hmm. bring up a lot in terms of uh yeah how police work fails and i think the movie does a good job of giving both of those perspectives though too and just the two main characters and how different they are and it, it's great because I think this movie does a really good job, where a lot of movies do a really bad job at this, of making the partners seem so different. Mm -hmm. This movie doesn't be like, hey, we're different, you and I. We... (laughs) 
We, you're a loose cannon, uh, that sort of deal. Yeah, I mean, they're very much, they're very tropey characters, because we got <laughs> our cop that's three days from retirement, days from well, like seven days from yeah. retirement. Yeah. Wow, good uh, good screenwriting there, got whoever him. it was. Who was it? Zack Snyder. Andrew, Andrew Walker. <laughs> no, Andrew was... Walker. I don't like it. It's too on the nose. Very on the nose. No, actually, it's fine, dude. It, it obviously worked out for you. You wrote a famous movie. <laughs> I don't, don't, don't listen to me. <laughs> His most famous movie by Letterbox's standards. What else did he write? Sleepy Hollow. I kind of like Sleepy Hollow. But, like, as far as the most watched. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. That's his I kind of like The Wolfman, too, the remake. Never seen it. That's so. fine. Okay. Sure. What were we talking about? <laughs> uh, cop movies. Uh... Oh, yeah, just the, the way that they depict them so differently. And I think it, though they are tropey characters, you're never, like, hit over the head with it. And I think it does it a lot in very subtle ways. Um, and I think just the, the, the deterioration of Brad Pitt's character mm-hmm. throughout is really well portrayed through mostly, like, costume design and stuff like that. And not really so much spelled out for the most part. And I think that's what's insanely good about this movie, as far as that goes. It's just really subtly done for being a movie that is so tropey in, in some ways. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. We have the we have the cop three days or seven days from retirement. Uh, we have the hotshot rookie. He may not entirely a rookie because he's a detective, but new to the town and everything. Right. Um, but I do think the movie does a good job of, like, using that characterization to kind of, you know, like, it all makes sense by the climax. Like, this is why these two characters are here. It's not because they're the the archetypes of the genre. It's right. because they um, fill out the story in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. So, like, if this was the only example of that trope, like, that would be perfect. Because, like, this is what the trope is good for, yes. you know? yeah, yeah. But the fact that it is such a common trope in the genre, it does make it feel a bit awkward. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, David Fincher, how original. <laughs> Made a movie about Facebook. What an original guy. Mm, so original. <laughs> I'm just gonna mock everyone involved in this movie. I guess so. There's, I mean, there's one there's person, one that, person that, that really deserves our mocking, but I think we have to get to that in spoilers, yeah. technically. Um, yeah. But as far as uh, uh, the the cast goes, I think Morgan Freeman's great in this movie. I think Brad Pitt's mostly great. There are a couple moments. There are some scenes that I'm just like, what? (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Like, yeah. And especially for one scene in particular that's very climactic, and maybe it's just been memed to death at this point. But it is just really weird that that's the direction he took it, and Fincher was like, "Yeah, that's good. I like that." So I don't really know. I don't know how much people would argue with Brad Pitt even uh, back in '95 or whatever. You know, what was he known for at this point? Because, I mean, as far as cultural touchstones for Brad Pitt go, I would have known him. Was When was Fight Club? Fight Club was 99, so it was after. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Like, Seven is, is like, as far as, in my mind, his earliest work that I'm aware of, at least. In terms of, like, uh, yeah, popularity Popularity, and everything. Uh, What am I looking for? Earliest first. Oh, he was known for um, the classic slasher film, Cutting Class. Okay, but for real, though. No, (laughs) for real, I don't know yet. He didn't do much uh, notable interview with the vampire, I guess. Okay, yeah, okay, Um, sure, sure, sure. Was that the same year, even? That seems like that would have been 94. Ah, year before, okay. Okay, so yeah, I mean, sort of this is his big break as far as, like, huge movies go, then. Yeah. So, I mean... 
Sure. Gwyneth Paltrow, I thought, was actually all right in this movie, and I don't normally like Gwyneth Paltrow. I think Paltrow Gwyneth Paltrow's gotten worse as an actor. She over really the years. has, and then you think it's just like the candles. <laughs> <laughs> you think the candles have kind of gone to her head? They kind of like yeah, walked her out I, a little bit, inhaling a little too much of the of the candle smoke. Yeah, <laughs> putting a little, little using the jade eggs a little too much. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Something's yeah. a little wrong there, but I think she's actually quite good in this movie and is believable. And like I said, I don't often care for Gwyneth Paltrow in movies, but I think she's actually quite good in this. Right. And I don't know why people don't talk about this more as a movie she's actually good in. <laughs> so um, I think because a lot of people just know her from the Marvel movies now. Marvel yeah. movies and Goop. And that's like her Goopy only Marvel. Re- the only really <laughs> conception of her in the cultural consciousness that's are those two things. Honestly fair. I <laughs> You know, like, when you lean that hard into it, you know, what can you do? I'm trying to think. Oh, she's in Mordecai, of course. Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, I guess. Not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you think. But anyway, yeah, I, yeah, I think she she's actually really good in this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as stuff that we could talk about without spoilers, I don't know if there's much more, but I don't know. I'm Why'd you put sure. it on the list? Um, well, I mean, this is pretty much just Aaron the film bro in 2015 showing his head again. Uh, Hell yeah. This is uh, <laughs> one of those films you watch for the first time and you're like, this is one of the best films ever made. This uh, is deep. This is I'm deep. I'm 14 and this is deep. <laughs> Um, but I mean, yeah, that's pretty much the reason. It's like, this was a film I had known about for a long time as well, mm-hmm. um, before I watched it. And then you watch it, and when you're first starting to get into cinema, yeah, it's fairly mind-blowing. Um, because, uh, David Fincher is such a, like, precise director. He, he mm-hmm. takes so much, uh, he puts so much passion into his, into his, every aspect of his filmmaking. Um, like, even down to, like, the title sequence of a movie mm-hmm. is, like, such a perfect tone setter. Um, that I think it's, you know, I, I, the reason why he's such an acclaimed director is he's a very, uh, like, formative, uh, kind of influence in a lot of, uh, for a lot of cinephiles, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is certainly true for me. Um, I love, this isn't one of my favorite of his works. Um, I think it definitely even looks worse in comparison to some films he would go on to do. Um... But certainly yeah. it's definitely a film uh, worth watching um, and, you know, deserving of a lot of the acclaim it gets. So yeah. I put it on the list because it's, yeah, it's that kind of like formu- formative uh, movie experience that I think would be good for a list of someone trying to get into cinema. So there you go. So then the, it's, I, I have this theory. Yeah. And maybe not so much about you, but for <laughs> film bros in general. Well, I'm, I, I'm trying to... It, it, Let's be clear. I'm trying to evolve past these. That's what I mean. No, that's what I mean. I think most most people who start as film bros evolve past it. We we would hope. You'd hope. (laughs) But I think what film bros love to do is to give people who are getting into cinema the same movies and be like, you need to go through this same thing I went through. You need to be embarrassed like me. I feel like that's just kind of mentoring in general, though, at that point. Fair, fair, fair. It's just like, do exactly what I did, and then you'll be a success, because I don't want to examine my own flaws or luck in my situation. There you go. Yeah. So that's... It's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what would you give it? What would you give it in stars? Four. Yeah, I'm not gonna go much higher because I think it it is one of those. Same with last time. It's not my type of movie, really. Mm -hmm. But I can appreciate the craft here, and uh, 
It's a good movie. I think I think when I first watched this, I would have given it a four and a half. Um, but now, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a four. I think especially in comparison to uh, Silence of the Lambs uh, last mm-hmm. week. Again, watching them back to back just makes this one look much worse in my mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I think four. It's a solid four because they're. It, it's so well crafted and well made, and you know, uh, you know, it's thematically rounded out and everything in a way that makes a satisfying movie experience. So. Yeah. Yeah. So certainly, uh, if you uh, haven't seen the movie, it's recommended by the both of us. If you have seen it, or just don't care. Or have had it spoiled for you long ago. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about it now in depth with spoilers. All right. I wish I had somewhere I wanted to start. I, I really do. I guess we can start with the spoilery part, the ending that everyone knows, and we can just kind of work our way back. I if guess. you want, go for it. No. Uh, well, we, we should at least mention uh, Kevin Spacey is in this movie. Uh, he is, yeah. They give you a little bit of hope at the beginning because his name's not in the opening credits. Yeah, they and do. And like back in '95, it was like, oh my god, Kevin Spacey's in this movie when he shows up, and, and now, now it's like, it. oh, oh my god, god Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. He is um, one of his uh, biggest roles, and I mean that's the weird thing with Kevin Spacey. He got so much acclaim over the course of his career, um, portraying like psychopaths. Yeah. To, to you know, and and everyone's like, wow, this is a very captivating psychopath. Like, how does he get in the mind of someone this evil? <laughs> yeah. And then we get to the, the end of his career, and we're like, oh, you're being maybe the best acting is not acting at all. <laughs> you're being too hopeful in saying the end of his career. <laughs> you're being too hopeful. I, I I have to uh, I have to hold out hope for that. Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. He's in it. it you, you, now it's interesting because yeah. within the context of the movie, because Brad Pitt's like, just crazy people know that they're crazy?" And he asks <laughs> Kevin Spacey, "And do you think Kevin Spacey even for a second thought like?" Hmm, maybe I should It's the Chris D'Elia <laughs> thing. Maybe I shouldn't play a pedophile on three television shows. No, I'm going to do it anyway. Can <laughs> like, you play one on three television shows? I knew about the one. He plays a pedophile on Workaholics. Does he? Yeah, and then he plays a pedophile on you, and everyone's like... Oh, I, I, I think you. it's just two. I think it's just two. But still... <laughs> still too, too many. <laughs> it, it's the it's the Doofenshmirtz movie. It's like, if, if I had a nickel for every time Chris D'Elia played a pedophile on TV, I'd have two quarters, but that's still a lot of quarters, given the circumstances. You change from nickels to quarters in the middle of the... Well, all right, <laughs> I'm just... I'm, I'm quoting something. <laughs> quoting it wrong! Well, okay, sure. <laughs> but that's the that's the meme there, and it's yeah, the same with Kevin meme. Spacey. I love that meme, do you think yeah. at one point he's just like, maybe I shouldn't do this? I don't really want to spend a lot of time getting into the the headspace of I don't Kevin either. Spacey. <laughs> I don't either. But this is the movie you put on the list, Aaron. I did, and it's I don't not think the we only. Knew, yeah, no, we didn't. I f- I think it was like a rumor in Hollywood at the time, but like someone like me completely. Uh, you yeah, know, we're not in Hollywood, believe world. it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I didn't know at the time we put it on this list, and we've discussed this kind of... We've talked around Usual Suspects a few times, which is a film we still need to cover on this list as well. Um, yeah, probably films that uh, I wouldn't have put on the list, uh, you know, after the fact. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's that caveat in recommending it, but... 
know. He's at least a small enough part of the movie. I mean, he's really only in the back ten minutes of it, really. Right. So, you know. Yeah. Keep that in mind. <laughs> but, and he also gets his head blown off. So, I mean, if there's, you know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that happens in the movie. <laughs> I, uh, should I cut this? <laughs> um... But yeah, that's yeah. that's the finale. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Why does he say it like that? It's so awful. It's iconic, though. It's iconic, but it takes me out of it entirely. I'm like, why does he say it like that? It's like he's he's like singing it to Morgan Freeman. The, the first time I watched the movie, it definitely took me out of the scene where it's just like such a weird line reading. Um, that you just, you, no one else besides Brad Pitt at that exact time would <laughs> say <one>. that line <laughs> that way. Um, well, and even when he's, when he's holding the gun to, to John Doe, he's like, oh, jeez, oh, <laughs> I'm like, why, what? Was your wife just murdered or are you just like, like you lost a game of Fortnite or something? What's happening here? Don't turn it into a meme. <laughs> Any more than it already is. <laughs> it's just, it's such a weird reaction. Oh, man. It is, yeah. <laughs> anyway. It is, it's weird, though. It's, because, uh, yeah, for the most part, definitely Brad Pitt is, like, every other scene, he seems like he's doing a different performance. Yeah. Because there's some scenes where I'm just like, oh, he's so bad in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and other movies where I'm like, no, he's turning it around. He's really good in this. Mm-hmm. No, like, for real, it is it is both. At there's the like same there's time. like one scene like very early on in the movie, like the kind of like first like walk and talk scene with uh, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. That's awful for like both of them. Like they look like at they're the like very reading, beginning. Yeah, they're like yeah. They're reading off cue cards off screen yeah. kind of quality. I'm like, well, that's what? before opening credits, and it almost just feels like that scene didn't need to be there at all. So yeah. I don't really know what. Maybe it was added after, and it, they were like, we gotta get you on set for one more it day. It feels or... like one of those scenes that, like, the studio forces a director to film, so the director purposely messes up the quality of the scene, so that he's like, oh, will. I yeah. can't put it in the movie, we just didn't film it right. But, like, knowing <laughs> David Fincher, like, he probably wouldn't have uh, sacrificed the integrity of his movie by leaving it in, if that was the case. Yeah. So it's just this awkward, bad scene, and the rest <laughs> of the film surrounded by and great And it's right filmmaking. at the beginning, too, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, I was worried at the beginning of the movie. I was like, is this a is this a bad movie? <laughs> Has the you know the cinephile community been wrong for mm. the past? Well, they've been wrong years? about a lot of things, but not not this one. I don't think. I think they're right about this one. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the, Brad Pitt's just weird in this movie. Um, he, I was actually kind of taken aback at how like many like comedic like moments there are in this yeah which was weird considering the subject matter and how dark it is and right. considering i don't like often think of fincher as like a, a humor who like a humor filled director at all mm -hmm. i mean he has moments obviously but he's a very serious director for the most part it's like nolan it's like there's a couple funny moments in his movie but i'd never he's not making marvel movies here you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. he's not trying to lean in so I thought that was kind of interesting. And honestly, one of the funniest non-comedy moments in a movie I've ever seen was the bit where he's at the desk, the phone's ring, and the chief just picks it up. This isn't even my desk. And they hang the phone up, and it's so good. 
I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it, it is very odd because that's like a, the exact one where they're like, you know, piecing together the first mm-hmm. two crime scenes and like, there's a serial killer on the loose. Yep. And then we just have the best comedic bit of like <laughs> so many, uh, so many movies just placed at the end of that scene. And you're yeah. like, this is such a weird tension breaker. <laughs> it works, though. It works. It works. Yeah. Oh, man. I will say I was really confused when he when they find when they find the lawyer. Yeah, I was extremely confused for some reason because I was like, so that's Brad Pitt's office. I'm like, why is the police building in the same place? It was weird. I'm like, that's what? his office, and then there's like the blood everywhere. I'm like, how did he not notice that when he walked in? I was very confused. I'm like, that's not really a cop office. Yeah, I think I you like, severely overestimated uh, the size of a cop yeah, office. Yeah, I was like, that looks weird, but okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Sure, okay, yeah. That, that happened. Yes. For better or worse, it happened. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as, this is for the 31 days of Halloween. Yeah. It's spooky. So we do have to mention bit, yeah, the sure. spooky moments. And I think this movie does a good job at um, not, like, leaning too hard into the body horror. Mm -hmm. There are moments that are certainly a little bit more, like, gruesome than others. But I never think it goes... It it knows what to show and what not to show. And I think it's the same thing with, like, Silence of the Lambs that we were talking about. Where you can explain what's going on and the imagination is going to be so much scarier or, or uh, gross than you that you can show it on screen. Like at the end of the movie, when Gwyneth Paltrow's head's in a box, if they were to show that, it would be a little goofy. Yeah, because so, it's going to either be a, the, a like a plastic uh, mold kind of head mm-hmm. or it's going to be like they cut a hole in the bottom of the box yeah. and had her just <laughs> pretend to be dead from underneath. Exactly. And I, both of them would look very goofy. Yes, yeah. And so just the implication of what's in the box or the implication of some of the other crime scenes are so much more effective than just showing them. And I think that honestly works so much in this movie's favor to the point where it's not going to be quite i will mention this movie is clearly an inspiration for the saw movies yeah clearly i think that's confirmed i think i think they've actually (laughs) as far as saw goes at at one point they just lean into the silliness of it but a lot of the stuff in even two and three is just so stupid (laughs) that it's like clearly it, it, I don't know. They're different types of movies, I guess, technically. But I think the body horror works better when it's more imaginative and less like, here's what we can do with uh, yeah. some I mean, fake Yeah, blood. I think like Silence of the Lamb 7 had like the kind of like higher aspirations. We're going to try to target a larger audience than just uh, the horror crowd. Whereas, you know, the Saw franchise found their audience and then stuck oh. with it and uh, just kind of... <laughs> continually yeah. uh, got diminishing returns uh, yeah. from that audience. Until uh, this new uh, Chris uh, Rock one. Yeah, I'm excited. When is that coming out now? Uh, well, who knows? Well, did it's, it supposed, it's supposed to come out uh, March, um, but it was supposed to come out, uh, you know, August this May, oh, early, May, earlier okay. this year. So, uh, yeah, who knows at this point? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. Is there anything else you really want to say? I think we've pretty much touched on the big parts of this movie. It's kind of a shorter episode, so we can kind of fudge some stuff along. Let's yeah. go. What do we get? Well, I like uh, one part. Uh, what I wanted to say when you were talking about like the spooky moments, I think the I think the spookiest part of this movie um, is when they uh, head to John Doe's apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, first, that moment where you like see him coming down the end of the hall, and they both realize exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, all well, all three of them realize exactly what's happening. Yeah, um, I think that's a very tense moment and very well shot. Um, especially because they're like they do this weird thing where they're trying to obscure uh, Kevin Spacey's identity still um, when he first shows up there, even yeah. though it's like it's not the kind of movie. It's not like a murder mystery. Like we're not trying to solve it. And like, it's not like we had met Sony him earlier new. in the movie anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it is weird. But um, I think it's a very effective scene. And then um, after that whole chase sequence. Um, when they head into his apartment, I think that's like a very well done, like all the set design in there, mm-hmm. like that's very, uh, very well made, very the creepy. neon cross, the above neon cross the above the bed, and it's just like this uh, rickety old bed with like this thin mattress and everything, you know, like not even. You know, like, this guy is uh, depriving himself of every single luxury in life and just devoting himself to this cause. Uh, and then, of course, the um, the famous uh, room full of the notebooks all filled with text. I think there's like, a, there's, like, some kind of production trivia that, like, Fincher actually had all those notebooks, like, filled with, uh, like, John Doe writings. Um, which I don't know whether that's, like, something that's actually true or if he's just, um, it's just, like, a, you know, a fiction that was created because it sounds, you know, super good. Like, oh, all those notebooks had evil thoughts that you'll never be, uh, privy to, uh, you know? We just gave you a small (laughs) little section of it. Like, because obviously they made a few prop notebooks for, like, the opening title sequence and the scene where... Morgan Freeman flips through it and everything, but mm-hmm. the idea of like doing all that prop for prop work for like it's such a throwaway uh, moment just seems uh, I, I I don't know how the plausibility of that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm looking it up, but I don't trust Screen Rant, and I certainly <laughs> I certainly don't trust Reddit. So. <laughs> Fair. Um, Yeah. IMDB. We'll trust it, I guess. I don't know. Sure. Um, maybe it's just a fiction I made of. I don't, I don't know. Or maybe I was just in such an impressionable young uh, film girl that I was just like, wow, that's, yeah, that's amazing. You really that's how it. That's how movies like this must be made. Yeah. You couldn't Clearly they them. wouldn't have fake <laughs> notebooks sitting on them. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't see anything, but I might just be looking at the wrong thing, so... Anyway. But yeah, and then also like the display cases of all his uh, victims, like the trophies from his victims. Like yeah, all of that is just like exceptional set design. So. Yeah. Even though I, when watching it this time, I was like, this is such an oddly large apartment. Yeah. Like, I guess they say he's independently wealthy, but like even still, like the layout of that in an apartment building just seems unlikely. <laughs> yeah. Independently wealthy. Yeah, that was like okay. Well, I mean, I think that was just kind of a way to explain like how it's uh, possible yeah. that someone could like completely uh, like you know uh, become an anonymous People individual. People are randomly independently wealthy. Tommy Wiseau. Tommy I'm Zou? not saying Tommy Wiseau is the next John Doe, <laughs> but what I am saying though is yep. this guy's got to go. 
I was wondering if that was turning into a rhyme as we went. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah, I, and just the whole chase sequence in general, um, I thought was really well done, really uh, filled with tension, and and just further. Uh, I can't even think of the word. It further exemplifies, I suppose, the, the differences between Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman comes down the hall. He's like, hey, is there a back entrance? Uh, so you stay in there. You lock your door. And Brad Pitt's just guns blazing, <laughs> pointing at kids and stuff. And you're right. like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I see what's going on here. Yeah, no, they do a good job with the uh, juxtaposition. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's It's, it's seven. seven. They solved the case. But Forget it, Jake. It's Seven Town. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that movie eventually. <laughs> I already know that. That's a quote I know for sure. Where yeah. just, I say that to you all the time yeah. because your name is Jake, so it exactly. works out too well for me to not use it. Exactly. I think we're good. I think that's all I really want to say about Seven. Yeah. So we should rank this bad boy. Okay. Yeah. I'm- this bad mama jamma. I don't know what's going on. Um, so where I put Silence of the Lambs is going to kind of uh, indicate where this one goes. I put Silence of the Lambs at 26th. Um, okay. So this one will be right around there. But I'm, cert- I'm currently moving it and talking so that there's no dead air. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I think I'm going to put this uh, 53rd. Mm-hmm. Okay. So behind the end of the tour... And ahead of Trick or Treat. Which, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That seems fair. I'm going to put it... It's so much lower, but I just think there's such a good stretch of movies within this range. Mm -hmm. Uh, 43rd. Behind Under the Skin, ahead of Eternal Sunshine. Okay, okay. Um, And that's on the combined list, and it'll be the same placement on the regular list. Yeah. Yeah, that's that one. That is seven. Only six more to go. I mean, mm. That's not true. We actually. We, I'd give it we, seven stars out of five. It's not as good as a uh, Fant Four Stick. In it's my not. Opinion. It's no. really not. Fant Four Stick's a four out of four. <laughs> Absolutely. A four out of Fant Four Stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is. We gotta wrap this up. This is getting bad. <laughs> so, so do, do we yeah. want to talk about what's next time, Aaron? Well, next time we're going back to your list, the final one from the 31 Days of Halloween uh, that we'll be covering uh, is The Forest, mm-hmm. which is a pretty infamous film. Uh, within the lore of the podcast, Within the lore of the podcast, I, think, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how much you actually decide to rant about it, or if it was just like a quick rant and then forget about it kind of I movie. bring it up a lot, because it, it, it well, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to sway you too much before we watch it, but I've, I've brought it up a lot. I think we can safely predict I will not like this movie. Maybe. Like, I, I, I like bad horror movies, but I like ones that are, like, interesting. And I feel like from what you've told me, this is a very boring movie. It depends on your definition of interesting. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. 
Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about the other 31 Days of Halloween movies? Yeah. You've, uh... Yeah, I'm on the ranked one right now. But I, you're, you're still on track. I gotta add... You're really seven. gonna finish because you just gotta close out this week. I do. I do. I'm getting the DualSense on Friday. And I know that's not the actual PS5. It's just the controller. But if you think I'm not gonna just touch that thing all day long when I get that, the, you gotta be the joking. The controller, to clarify. Uh, you gotta be joking. I think you gotta leave the full noun in on that <laughs> sentence. So. I'm gonna be playing You're a little that too thing. excited for the PS5. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm gonna be playing that thing all day long. I'll tell you that much. I'll be pretending to play a video game. I won't Yeah, getting that, ready but... for Miles Morales shooting uh, webs. <laughs> <Yeah>. over. <laughs> Miles Morales, Melody of Memory. I'm so excited. But, uh, Anyway, the two movies that I've watched since then, Black Christmas, the remake of the original, not the remake remake. Yeah. And uh, the remake, 2006 remake, uh, not good, so bad, awful, boring, truly atrocious in every way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's probably the most passionate thoughts anyone has about uh, I just this really forgotten remake. <laughs> and it's, I think it's probably because I saw it after I'd seen the uh, 2019 remake, yeah. which I actually really liked despite its flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the original, which I watched last year, and I really loved that. I thought that was... That and uh, Halloween are probably my two favorite slasher movies now. And okay. with Nightmare on Elm Street up there, too. But, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it's just watching this soulless remake that's trying mm. to be gritty and just awful and give killer background that's just that was that hard was to the watch. Era. And, that was yeah. that was the Texas Chainsaw remake uh, era, and they were all mm-hmm. really like that. Texas Chainsaw remake, um, and uh, didn't they do a Halloween remake around that time? That Rob was the Zombie? Rob Zombie one, yeah. And uh, that was, they try to give Mike, Michael Myers a, a background too, right? They it's spend so... like a good hour of the movie on like his childhood, <laughs> which is just like, uh, God, you don't need it. You don't. But honestly, I kind of like the first Rob Zombie uh, Halloween. It's been a yeah. while since I've watched it, but I think I think it works pretty well for what it is. Okay, um, if you kind of just treat it as a separate entity second one i hate it's my least favorite halloween but i know oh, it has wow. its defenders out there so rob zombie has his defenders out there <laughs> um yeah so then let's scare jessica to death was the one i watched yesterday and just such a weird movie i literally just typed 1970s horror movies because i didn't think i had a movie from the 70s mm-hmm. on my list this year um and that's what i got sure and the title was just so goosebumps that I couldn't not watch it. It felt like the um, the book with the mud monsters. What was that one? What was that one? But it has a title so similar to it. I know which one you're talking about too, because it was my least favorite goosebumps. I'm looking book, it up. But mud monsters goosebumps. It's a uh, something you can't scare you can't me. Scare me. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So it's come to find out the title has literally nothing to do with the movie other than the main character's name is Jessica. Mm-hmm. And there's not like an evil plot to scare her to death. It's just like a weird ghost slash vampire movie. And you're like, oh, okay. But um, that was refreshing because it was just so weird. Um, very deliberately paced. It, I wrote in my review that it feels a lot like an Oz Perkins movie. And it kind of like it really does. Um so I liked it for that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I'd recommend it. I think it's on Criterion, right? It was, yeah, at I least, for, it. At least for, the for the next go- You bought it? It was like a dollar more to buy it than to rent it. And I was like, it was like three bucks. I'm like, sure. Three bucks to buy? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I was like, sure. And I ended up liking it, so I'll watch it again. I it's guess, very yeah. interesting. You gotta wait for the Criterion to put out that Blu-ray, uh... I doubt they will. But I, I doubt it too. Um, and then seven, yeah. And we already talked about that. But yeah, I got Scream Four next. I feel and like seven definitely fits in the least of any movie you've watched this year. But not even Silence of the Lambs. I feel like Silence of the Lambs is more horror than seven is. Even though seven has like more of like the body horror, um, shows more of That's the corpses. Fair. I still feel like Silence of the Lambs works more as like a traditional horror film. It does have a spookier poster though. Kind yeah. of. Kind of. Depending on what you think is spooky, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, then we're going to do Stream 4, which I'll talk about. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to watch uh, Two days from now. Yeah, speaking about the remake era, that's uh, that's the scream of the remake era, where they're commenting on all the films that were remade uh, that's leading exciting up to, to it. Me. So. I really have loved all three of the screams. Even, even three, where I'm like, it's not as good as the first two, I still really liked it. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to watch four. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to talk about The Forest. I'm going to talk about The Forest. There's only two movies left, but I'll talk about those next time. Indeed. We made it. We're almost through October, Aaron. How crazy is that? It's fairly crazy. I'm I'm not ready to give up watching horror movies, you know? Like, my plan was, I was like, okay, I'll spend all October watching a lot of horror movies... Then November, I'll finish out my uh, list of uh, films by women directors that I set up at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the year to watch. Um, I'll finish up that list. And then the rest of the year and the start of the next, I can spend watching 2020 movies uh, for the errands. Is that just me or is that really loud? Like, I thought for sure a car was coming through our our sliding door. (laughs) It was just you, man. Oh, man. That was spooky. I'm sorry. But yes. But anyway, I'm not ready to give up watching horror movies. You messed up. What do you mean? You messed up because what you should have done was save some movies on your list that were horror movies so that you could watch those after October. I, well, yeah, I'd watched, I, the problem is I want to watch horror year round. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of horror movies on the list. Watched a lot earlier this year, and then I've watched a few in October as horror movies in October. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just not enough. I just needed the thing is I need a full like horror list to get through. But the point of this of this list project was to watch areas of film I don't typically mm-hmm. uh, watch if I don't set out specifically to watch them. Right. So well, next year you just need to do Thirty One Days of Halloween. Mm. Well, it's it's hard because I always want to watch the movies with you, where you're like mm-hmm. you're you're watching something That's like fair. Scream Four, and I'm like, oh, I want to watch that with you to see your reaction. So, sure. so it's hard, yeah. <sighs> we gotta watch the oh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four is uh, the Halloween movie this year. I'm it excited is for that, and one. I think we'll probably watch the original Nightmare on Elm Street because Caroline has not seen it and she wants to watch movies on. It's gonna Halloween. be a weird jump from one, <laughs> one to, to four. four. Well, one to three to think... four would make perfect sense. Oh, is four related to three? It keeps some of the characters. Oh, over, interesting. Over. Well, then maybe we won't do that. Maybe we we'll just that. watch four. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to work that day? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Well, you could try it. It probably works. Whatever. We're just gonna binge some movies. It's a Saturday. Yeah. 
eat some candy. I'll order some candy up, watch some spooky movies. We should talk about this next week because that's going to be much next week, next episode, two days from now, because that's closer. You know, we'll yeah. have a more yeah. set plan. We'll so anyway, um, yeah. So that's our episode on seven. Plus some extra stuff at the end to pad this out because we didn't have much to say about it. It's a it's a movie. It's uh, it's been talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you want to find us around the web, you can find Jacob at Jake underscore Lace on Twitter. You can find him at Jake Lace on Letterbox. He is posting uh, full reviews of all these thirty one days of Halloween movies. Longer than last year, not better. Longer. <laughs> Quantity, Indeed. not quality. That's what they say. Some of them are like the normal length, but I, some some of them just like I just need to I need to talk more about this stupid movie. <laughs> the Black Christmas one was a little long, <laughs> and I also wanted to put Christmas puns in it. So yeah, yeah. Well, gotta go for the puns whenever yeah. possible. That's what makes a good review is how many puns are. In That's it. what I've heard. Anyway, if you find, want to find me around the web, you can find me at. Uh, honest Opinion on Twitter. You can find me at MyHonestOpinion.com. You can find me on Letterboxd as well. I also do puns in my reviews way too often at the expense of quality of them. Um, so that's what you're getting from both of us. Not enough puns in the podcast itself, you know? I, I, I did guess rhyme. we to work on that. You did rhyme. I don't think a rhyme's <laughs> the same as a pun. <laughs> it counts. We'll count it. If you want to find the podcast around the web, you can find uh, us on uh, Twitter. <laughs> you and- can, uh- Facebook and uh, check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes and leave us a good review if you like what we say. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, next time the forest. Everyone listening at home, watch it as well. We're gonna just uh, get, a, get a whole. Uh, it's PG thirteen, so you don't have to worry about it being forest. too scary. Yeah, and also it's awful, so you don't have to worry about it being too scary. <laughs> but until next time, don't think it, don't say it. Bye-bye, man. Bye-bye, man lives in the forest. Does he? I didn't know that. He might as well. I mean, you'll see. Well, he lives on a train.